You're listening to episode 120 of the Christian Travelers Network. Today's topic is why we travel versus what God teaches us when we travel. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I have a background in theology and a love for travel. Having visited nine different countries and served in four different congregations, I want to create an environment that encourages the discussion and overlap of my two favorite things the Lord, and travel. And if you have a passion for both of these things or are wanting to learn how God is such an integral part of our daily adventures, then you've come to the right place. Today's topic is why we travel versus what God teaches us when we travel. Okay, so I can't see raised hands, but raise your hand anyway. If you are a person who has ever traveled somewhere thinking that you'll gain a certain skill or you'll learn a specific thing and you've walked away with so much more from your travel experiences, my hand is definitely in the air. There's so many times that I thought that travel was going to be an amazing blessing for X, Y, and Z and in the end, Maybe I learned some of that, but I walked away with so much more. And today we're going to dive into a Bible story that talks a little bit about this dilemma, this conflict between our desired goals and what God actually reveals to us. And it'll be demonstrated through the perspective of Jacob and Leah and Rachel from Genesis chapter 29. I encourage you to turn there because we'll be diving into that more. But before we head there, I want to point you to a couple resources. First of all, this podcast is part of Christian Travelers Network, my faith-based travel agency that helps individuals travel and incorporate God into their adventures. It helps ministries to create retreats and experiences that are faith-focused and engaging and It helps people who want to connect with other travelers who share their faith on their adventures. And one of the ways that we do that is through retreats. And our upcoming retreat is January 14th to 17th of 2022. The early bird cutoff is September 25th. Last week's episode, I accidentally said the wrong date. My apologies. It is September 25th. So head to our website, christiantravelers.net forward slash retreats. There you can find more information about our upcoming event and learn how you can connect with us on social media and other platforms, especially if you're wanting to connect with other Christian travelers. But that's enough about me. Let's go ahead and dive into this topic, why we travel versus what God teaches us about travel. If I would actually take a moment and ask you, what are some reasons that you seek to travel? Some of the common responses that I get are people are wanting new experiences to get to see the world, experience different cultures, etc. Some people are traveling because, you know, they have the vacation days and the money, so why not? Some people travel because they're fleeing from situations at home. And while it's not necessarily phrased that way, 
it's typically phrased as something as though they're trying to break free to something new and they're trying to get to something else, which sometimes, you know, we just need to get away from bad circumstances. And another reason that people tend to travel is because they want the cool pictures and the great memories and the awesome looking posts to kind of show off to the world these amazing experiences they've had. And on one hand, those are genuine motives, but I think God often would look at those reasons and question us a little bit. He'd really want us to reflect on, are those reasons that he would want us to travel? And I've totally been there. I went on a mission trip once to Ghana, and I spent so much time recording and making these cool videos that recap the whole experience during the trip that I was missing out on genuine time building relationships with my team and getting to know people on a more personal level. And I was more worried about the Wi-Fi and if it was working than some of the unique experiences I had by having a lack of my typical daily needs. But mission trips aren't the only reason to travel. I mean, I've seen this in my other adventures too. Sometimes it's that selfishness that wants things for me, 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 and kind of disregards the other people that I'm traveling with. Or sometimes, I mean, I went on a solo trip to Europe for two weeks, and I let the fears of those back home end up dictating what I got out of that trip. Because while I originally planned the trip with good intentions of just exploring and having these experiences... I eventually let their fears freak me out to the point that I was a little overly paranoid, even though God showed up time and time again. If you want to hear about this story, it's one of the first five episodes of this podcast, and I talk about how I ended up in a hookah bar of all places because I couldn't find my Airbnb host and it was the only thing open that had Wi-Fi. Um, I got on a train and ended up getting to my destination with 1% left of my battery, and if I didn't, I don't know how I would have got to my destination. Another destination I arrived, and it was like an apartment building, and they said it's building like 300-something, but nothing had numbers on it. So I turned on my phone, and I knew what their Wi-Fi network was called, so I wandered the building until I found enough strong enough Wi-Fi signal to knock on the door, and when no one answered, then I tried the key, and it was the right building. But time and time again, it was God's handiwork in all of it. And what I walked away from in all of those experiences, Ghana, Australia, Germany, Czech Republic, my family vacations in the Midwest, is so different than what I thought I was going to get out of it. And I'm guessing you have great stories too. So please comment below in whatever podcast platform you're listening to what some of those stories experiences were or head to some of our social media and share there too because I'd love to hear. But we're going to go ahead and dive into Genesis chapter 29 and look at the story of Jacob and Leah and Rebecca. The story starts off by Jacob 
walking in the wilderness until he runs into the people from the east. And my instant question as a traveler is, why are you traveling, Jacob? So I'm going to backtrack us. And if you want to go back and listen to the last episode, it gives you a little bit of the groundwork for this one. But Jacob is the son of Isaac, and Jacob is also the grandson of Abraham. So quick recap of family history. Abraham and Sarah, Sarah struggled to get pregnant, and when she finally did, they it was past her childbearing years. They gave birth to Isaac. Isaac, in last week's episode, we learned that his arranged marriage happened when a family servant went back to the land of the hometown of Abraham. They found Rebecca. Rebecca came back to this town where Abraham was and married Isaac, sight unseen. Lots of trust happening in the Lord. And they end up having two sons, Jacob and Esau, and they are wrestling in the womb. And when they're born, uh, the two of them kind of always have this power struggle of a relationship, which, okay, first of all, any of you have a twin sibling or just a sibling in general that you like wrestled with for power, maybe not physically, but like it was kind of like who could one up each other. In our family, I am the oldest of three and I know I set a high bar, but the expectations were high because I was the first child. However, my youngest brother is gra- just graduated high school this year. He's eight years younger than me, and he felt like he needed to get an ACT score that was higher than me or sister. Like, he just had to one-up us in a number of regards. Like, I think I was one person away from being the salad, saladictorian, 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 sorry, I'm not quite sure what the word is, and then my sister was the salutatorian and then my brother was the valedictorian for his class so it's just like they all had to one-up me and you see this power struggle going on between Jacob and Esau so Jacob manages to win the birthright from Esau when Esau was so hungry that in exchange for food he gave up his birthright which is kind of what he would be an heir to and then Jacob stole Esau's blessing. His father, Isaac, was going blind, and he basically sneaks in and says, I'm Esau, even though he's not. And in so doing, Isaac gives Jacob the blessing. And after all this has gone down, there is a lot of family tension going on, and Rebecca, Jacob's mom, says, I want to make sure that Jacob doesn't marry one of the Canaanites. I want to make sure he marries someone from our family and from our heritage, someone of our same faith. So she instructs Isaac to send Jacob out to the east, which is where we find him at the start of this chapter. And his goal is to find Rebecca's family, see if he can find one of the, his cousins to marry. And so that's where this whole chapter starts. And when he comes to the people of the East, they're all gathering around this well. And the well had a rock on it, kind of protecting it from losing, from the water evaporating from it. 
And he's like, it's like the middle of the day. This is not the ideal time to be at the well. What are you doing here? And they basically said, this rock that covers the well is so heavy that we just all start coming here in the middle of the day. And once everyone's here, then we open it up, feed all of our water, all of our herds, and then close it for the day, etc. And at that exact moment, Rachel walks up and Rachel is his cousin. Quick recap again. Rebecca, uh, her brother's name was Laban. Laban is living in this land. And so Laban's daughter, Rachel, is one of the shepherds and she's bringing the flocks. And Jacob must be super strong because he rolls the rock away and waters her herds. And just like her aunt, Jacob's mother, Rachel goes running back to Laban to tell the family the news that one of their family members is in the area. And just as before, Laban comes running. And if you want to refer back to this, this was in last week's episode. So Laban comes running. He greets him and is so excited for him to be there. He comes and he hangs out with them for a month. And then Laban says, hey, like, you're working for me. You, you know, you deserve wages, even though you're family. What do you want in exchange for your work? And Jacob says, I want to work seven years for you. In exchange, I want to marry Rachel. Now, if you know anything about this time period and how wages work, which before I did research on this, I didn't, apparently one year's work would have been enough for a dowry. It would have been enough. But Jacob is so excited about the prospect of marrying Rachel that he says, I'll go seven times that. I'm working for nothing, you know, essentially. Like, I'm not working for a paycheck. I'm working for a relationship with your daughter, which is precious to me, seven times a typical dowry. Which is saying a lot. And Laban doesn't argue. He's like, ooh, cool, seven years of work, and I get to marry off one of my daughters. And it'd be great for me to marry off to someone in my own family. I approve of this. So, Things go on and on, and to Jacob, seven years just flies by, which I'll be honest, when it comes to work, things don't fly by for me, like time just moves so slowly. However, when it comes to relationships, I know that time flies by, so I could see if that is truly what's on his mind for seven years, and that, like, he just, he's very in love. So, seven years fly by, and he says, hey, Laban, it's time, let me marry Rachel, and like consummate this marriage and they throw this big celebration and Laban plays it a little tricky so Rachel's older sister's name was Leah and how the bible describes her is that she had dull eyes and I don't really know what that means but in essence the takeaway is kind of Rachel was maybe more beautiful to look at and Leah not as much. And for whatever reason, Leah in that seven-year span had not gotten married. And the wedding garments during this time period, it would have been a, a garment that would have covered all of you, your face, your body, everything. And I don't know that this is totally accurate, but what I picture in my mind, at least when I've heard about it in the past, was something like what the Muslim 
women from very traditional homes wear, where they're completely garbed and only their eyes are seen and they have a headpiece on. It's like a very extensive veil, essentially. And so this would have been the clothing that Leah was dressed in. And so they have this big party and then Laban switches Rachel out and puts Leah in the bed and Jacob goes and consummates this marriage. Now, I don't know how in the process of sexual relations that Jacob didn't realize the mistake. Maybe it was super dark or whatever, but um, he sleeps with Leah. And in the morning, he's furious, rightfully so. Although if I was Leah, like in the mix of things, I would be like hurt and offended, but also what do you expect when your father plays a trick on this man? And it's just like such a messy situation. And then Jacob goes to Laban and is like, what did you do? And he said, okay, you're going to, you're going to finish consummating the marriage, which was seven more, like a full seven nights with her. And then you can marry Rachel for an, in, in exchange for another seven more years of work. So he finishes the week with Leah. He marries Rachel and then he works seven more years. So in end, crazy amount of family drama because then God opens Leah's womb. She has four kids and Rachel's womb is closed. And the reason God does this is because he recognizes that Leah is hated because she's in this marriage and Jacob loves Rachel more than Leah and it's just this whole situation and then there's jealousy and all kinds of things that's why god really wants us to marry one person to be one flesh and for marriage to you know unite you as a team well i mean this happened before the 10 commandments were written this happened before a lot of those laws were in place but we see it throughout scripture a lot of key biblical people married a lot of people and being tied to one person reduces family drama. But in this sense, he was tricked. After spending a lifetime tricking his brother Esau, his father, it finally came back around and he got tricked. In the end, Jacob ends up having 12 kids. And this is going into Genesis 30 and other things, which we'll cover next week. But there's just a lot of family drama, and if you want to read all the juicy details, I recommend starting with last week's in Genesis 24 and working your way through, and then, like, get ready for next week, because we're going to be in Genesis 30, 31, and we're going to really unpack some more of this story. But the question I posed for us today was why we travel versus what God teaches us when we travel. And in the story, we see Jacob is traveling for a couple reasons. One, his mother and father want him to get married to someone of their own beliefs, of the Jewish tradition, and they didn't want him marrying a Canaanite, so they sent him. Also, I believe at least at this point, he's caused so much drama in his own family, stealing his brother's blessing and stealing his brother's birthright. There's just so much drama in the family and so much tension. And parents aren't supposed to have favorites, but Rebecca, his mother, is choosing to help him in some of this trickery. 
that I think he's just kind of taking things into his own hands. And um, I didn't really talk about it, but in the previous chapter, we read about Jacob having a dream on his journey to the east, and he sees the ladder to heaven, and God tells him what his blessings are. So what I'd say, Jacob's, why he was traveling, he was traveling to get away from trickery, he was traveling for um, seeking marriage, he was traveling for a lot of his own motives. But on his way there, God shows him this dream and it reveals to him that like he has a purpose that is far greater than himself, that God is in this place. He isn't alone. He isn't the one in charge. Then he goes through this whole journey of 14 years of work to marry Rachel and then ends up in family drama all in of itself. And I'm guessing in that he matured a lot. He learned a lot about himself. He learned a lot about how to handle some tricky situations. And we'll learn more about that next time. But God was teaching him that his identity isn't trickery and that God can take care of things. And he doesn't have to act out and do all of these things. Um, And we'll get into some really cool things about him wrestling with God quite literally and an angel of the Lord putting his hip out of place or it might have been Jesus. We'll do some more biblical study on that next week. But when we look at our own travel motives, when you plan your next trip, you will likely have things in store that you're wanting to take away and wanting to achieve. But I want to challenge you to be documenting the things that you experience along the way. And then at the end of your trip, look back and see what God has taught you. And maybe, like, I doubt Jacob thought he would go spend 14 years of his life somewhere. But that's what his life turned into. And we sometimes spend so much time planning that life needs to happen and X, Y, Z that when things change, we get upset, we get discouraged. But Jacob here, he treats it with joy. He is a servant of the Lord and the blessings and prosperity are about to flow forth in the coming chapters. And his journey is not as direct as he may have planned, but God still is in it. So my challenge to you this week is to meditate and read Genesis chapter 29, review it, look over it, prep for the coming weeks by reading or the coming podcast by reading Genesis 30 through 31 and really ponder what is next what is your next travel adventure where are you heading and reflect on your why and then open yourself up start praying now that God to work and change and move through you and teach you and mold you to be more like him in your journey and you would, will be just amazed by the miraculous things that God can do through you. Would you join me for a moment of prayer? Dear Lord, I thank you for each and every single traveler that is listening to this podcast. And I just lift them up. I ask that as they plan their next I just ask that as they plan their next journey that it may be rooted and grounded in you that they may be able to set aside their own travel motives to be able to see what you are teaching and molding and shaping them 
in as they travel. And Lord, I just ask that you may guide their paths, that it may be like Jacob and Rachel, that even though things may not go as they plan, that in the midst of it, they may be able to see your handiwork and be able to grow and mature as believers in you. In your name I pray. Amen. I hope that you have enjoyed today's episode and have learned some unique insight into this chapter and into the story of Jacob and Rachel, and that as you look ahead, you may really reflect on what God is teaching us through the scriptures about our journeys. And if you are looking for opportunities to continue to grow in God's word with other Christians to get to travel and explore as a group, we have a really exciting event coming up in January. And the early bird cutoff for that is September 25th. I don't want you to miss out on this, so make sure that you sign up. Registration is $500 and the total trip is $1,400. And that includes everything once you get there. So every activity, all your meals, all your places of stay, all your supplies, it's all there. And we are so excited to get to go on this trip with you. So please register And if you enjoyed today's episode, if you connected with it in any way, we would love your support. The greatest way you can support this podcast is by leaving a review, subscribing, and sharing it with a friend, or going to christiantravelers.net and sharing that with a friend so that they can listen online and find out more about our faith and travel resources. Until next time, safe travels and God bless.